Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Elmer's Wharf, online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai, the best in new inventory, great pre owned inventory, with the all important Sunbury Motors guarantee. And a terrific service department that backs it all up every step of the way at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15, almost Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Uh, Neil Kulong today, Tony Knopp today. Uh, what's left of the pack, what, pick your number of the day. There you go. But we start the show off with the ability to relieve stress from a person who needs stress relief. (laughs) And, you know, I got so much stress relief yesterday from all the craziness that happened over the weekend that I'm actually pretty good today. I thought your team was impressive last night. Other than that, but you know what? I I expected that. Get the lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor. You know, nothing. Nothing's really going to bother me anymore from the Yankees for the most part, because I know what to expect with this team. This team is mediocre at best. I already told you yesterday they were probably going to get swept by this Braves team. Aaron Boone even said it himself last night that the Braves are a heavyweight. All right, so he he knows what he's up against. This team's not good enough. They're boring to watch. I, I, I'm I'm whatever about them at this point. I've accepted the team that they are, and I'm fully moving on to football. Yeah, but you lost your first preseason game. Didn't look good doing it. Well, none of the starters played. Oh, I see. Now, I thought there were some good things from some of the young guys. I I was I was fairly I was fairly you, okay with what happened with that, what happened the other night. Let me give you my observations from what I saw, and I'm going to be blunt about it. Okay. I couldn't tell you a thing. I never saw a second of it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, and not only that, I'm like most of America. Most of America didn't see it either. <laughs> well, even if you so wanted to. You couldn't because that was the same time as the open practice. The what? Wasn't it? Say wasn't again. wasn't I, the Eagles game the same time as the open practice at Lash? Yes, it was. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, there, there was one of the guys was sitting there. I don't even know who it was, but was yeah, he was following the scores. Yeah, Eagles teased. I'm like, what? What are you doing? I said, the practice is over here. Okay. So yeah. <laughs> Sage Steele, by the way, leaving ESPN. Um, and this is this is for legal reasons. Uh, they settled her lawsuit. 
Uh, now, how much money is involved, I don't know. She rejected $501,000 earlier. Um, she said the network uh, violated her free speech rights. Uh, they removed her for a week in 2021 after she made comments on a podcast which she criticized ESPN's COVID-19 vaccine mandate and questioned former President Barack Obama's decision to call himself black. Um, ESPN's parent company, Disney, was also named in the suit. So whatever the number is, and those are the comments she made, um, Steele's attorney, Brian Friedman, said in rejecting the offer, Disney cannot purchase their employees' constitutional rights no matter how powerful they think they are. She was there for 16 years, hosted NBA Countdown. Uh, she's hosted Sports Center. So there you go. But evidently they've come to a, a settlement. Not what that settlement number is, I don't know. But the one that she turned down was 501. Um, but she's the latest to leave. And this has nothing to do with layoffs. This happens to do with lawsuits and settlements and so forth. So this is not a layoff. Um, and, uh, So there you go. That's uh, that's that's the latest on them. The first football game is a week from Saturday. Notre Dame and Navy in Ireland. Will you watch? Oh, of course. What if it's opposite an Eagles preseason game? It won't be because this week they play on a Thursday, and I think next week is a Friday. Are any of your real guys going to play? Uh, probably not, especially now because they have, they've had joint practices with the Browns all week, and they're going to have joint practices with the Colts next week. So wow, my guess is probably not. Those two. They'll get nothing out of those two. <laughs> Yeah, the only the only chance they were going to play was last week, and the, they didn't. The the teams you follow are not adventurous. I've noticed that. So, that's all right. All right. True, but at least it's working for one of them for right now, at least. Yeah, I I really enjoyed your championship parade last year. I was very impressed. Oh, that didn't happen. No, señor. No, señor. No, señor. So they talk with Brett Yormark, the Big 12 commissioner. He's being hailed as a strategic genius for helping the conference negotiate its big TV media rights deal. When they interviewed him about it, he saw, he actually begged to differ. He says, look, he says, let's be honest, there was a lot of luck involved. <laughs> I give the guy credit. I give the guy credit. At the time, I didn't realize... That was really the last big media deal that was available. 
sometimes in life you just get lucky. And we got a little lucky because we had not done that deal at that time. Who knows where we'd be right now talking about it. And he's right. This is what we'll talk to Tony about. But the Pac-12 had a $30 million deal on the table per school. $30 million per school from ESPN in September. And the presidents in the conference told him, no, we want more. And so he was authorized to go for more, and the number was $50 million. ESPN said, thanks for playing. And they finished off the deal with the Big 12. I mean, a lot of things fell into place for the Big 12 and not for the Pac-12. We'll be talking with... um, Tony Knopp about this and what remains. Look, the Oregon-Washington deal, uh, I mean, that's a long-term play. I mean, short-term, they'll make, you know, they'll make the conference better and so forth. I mean, you know, just in terms of pure competition, you're talking about football, basketball. They're both, for the most part, for the most part, good in both. For the most part. Um, and I think it'll bring some intrigue to schedules as well. And James Franklin met with the media last night and gave, let's face it, I think an upbeat assessment about what he saw Saturday. And I think it dovetailed with what he saw last night because they were off Sunday. So what did I say yesterday was the key to practice? You've had... Highly competitive practices leading into Saturday. Then, of course, all of you, you know, there are many of you out there who actually went, and man, I give you all the credit in the world. (laughs) Okay. It's one thing for me to stand there and watch it because it's, to me, it's, it's an important component of my job to get deep background. So... If I stand in the rain, I stand in the rain. I stood in the rain last night. But you as a fan, man, to go out there for that, and they stayed. And it's steady, and like, holy mackerel. I said that some of these people are unbelievably great. And it was, all the write-ups were really well done. You know, Mike Porman, John Sauber, Mark Brennan, Nate Bauer, uh, Thomas Frank Carr and others that were that wrote it up. Um, I'm sure I left somebody out, and I apologize. Oh, Audrey Snyder, they all did great write-ups on it. So there's really nothing for me. To, everybody knows that you know in reading the write-ups that the defense had itself quite a night. Did really well. I said the key leading into yesterday's practice was um, it's almost like when you're playing a game. So you go out and you play a game and this, I'll, I'll, 
let's use exact verbiage here. They played Michigan last year. We all know what Michigan did, right, against Penn State. And I said one of the keys on Monday after that game was, okay, the key is you have to shake that thing off and you have to play this week. You can't have Michigan beat you twice. Where you have that hangover and it's like you can't get out of your own way. Well, I said the key for the offense is that they can't let that linger. They had Sunday off, so they had a chance to go through it, review it, so forth, you know, and then get back to work. Yesterday, they practiced, and it was back to those quick splits, like a play here or there determining who wins a period. It got back to that. That showed me a lot. That showed me a lot. And I think it reflected in James' comments to the media last night. Then, of course, he did tell the players after practice, I said, we got a lot of great wet ball work in it. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> the player's like, yeah. <laughs> I'll stay dripping, soaking wet. <laughs> yeah. Now, what was neat for me was uh, last night, uh, Mike Rhodes, the new basketball coach, he and I spent the entire, almost the entire practice together just chit-chatting. And Mike had spent the day there. So Mike was in on the coaches' meetings. He was in on on the um, positional meetings. Um, He was in the quarterback meeting. And I said, well, what, you know, I said, well, what, what struck you about that meeting that, that, you know, really, you know, was seared in your mind? And he says how much input the players had in, in terms of, you know, what they saw, why they saw it, and so forth. He said it wasn't just a one-way conversation with them. Um, and then, of course, being out there, and, and, and Mike and I did talk a lot of basketball yesterday, too. We talked a lot of basketball. Tell you what Mike really wants and this is big picture here. And it's going to be something that when Mike and I go to Hershey on Thursday, uh, and Char Moret's going to be there too. When Mike and I go to Hershey on Thursday, we're going to talk about this with the group that's going to be there. And then I'm going to talk about it with the, at the Duquesne Club as well. Mike strongly feels facility-wise, you know, like a lot of people are talking about an arena and things like that. Mike's big conversation piece with me yesterday is he feels if he has a really good to top flight practice facility, they can be top 25. That they will win a lot of recruiting battles just by having a really good top flight practice facility. And that practice facility would be a separate building. That practice facility would be where they would put their offices. That practice facility would have obviously its own auxiliary. You know, for example, you see the lot. If anybody's been to Beaver Stadium, you've seen the locker room. I, I think they do tours. They let people go into the locker room. They see it. And they see just the base lockers, right? The reality is the locker room they live in every day is over at Lash. So you'd have a 
locker room and a lounge area that the players may be able to live in and keep them there. And he feels that for that Penn State, his opinion, can be a top 25 program just by doing that. That, that he feels that would unlock the key to it. So we're going to talk about that on Thursday night. But I want to make sure I mention that here because that is, you know, an important component to what they want to do. All right, we'll take a break. The fact that you're content is almost shocking. Oh, my almighty! Sometimes I I surprise myself. I mean, little Luke go out and cut the lawn for you yesterday? What do you do? He wanted to, but I already cut it on Sunday. Plus, it was raining, so. Well, nothing stops him. He's a go-getter. That's true, yes. No, he's just a kid. All right, so. uh, (laughs) (laughs) We'll take a break. We'll come back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK. All right. So the NCAA, I, th- I think they, they're obviously, they were not happy with the four-game suspension of Jim Harbaugh as a compromise. I think they want more than that. He says it's something about it's about cheeseburgers, and they're saying it's not about cheeseburgers. I mean, that's almost the equivalent of actually people believing that people just talk about the weather. You have to be completely naive. By the way, what's the weather like there right now, Matt? A little on the gloomy side. Supposed to maybe rain sometime this afternoon. With some scattered sunshine later. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. So, does the little guy have his own mower where he follows you when you cut? He does. He has his own push mower. He has his own, like, tractor type thing, but sometimes he'll ride along with me as I'm cutting the grass. And then, he'll, and then he has his own weed whacker. Which you'll follow me while I'm weed whacking. Does it actually, like, is it real or? It's a kid's one. Kid's weed whacker. I see. Yeah. He, he's he even trying a, to start his use, own lawn care does, business, too, now. Does he Does he use it on his own brother? <laughs> um, There was, like, one time he tried, but I, we were like, no, that's not how it works. Okay. This is obviously ambitious. And now we started Luke's lawn care service. Wow. Yeah, see, that kind of ambition gets it from the mother's side of the family. All right. So, uh, I don't mind him trying entrepreneurship at three years old. Works for me. And he bring any little additional income in. Why not? What the heck? Uh, Charges sent me a text. I did try to answer the phone. Sure, I did. <laughs> okay, I tried. Talk to her when the show's over. K 
Okay. Uh, today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. All right. Uh, I don't know if you ever uh, read the book. by James Andrew Miller years ago. This came out like uh, like a dozen years ago. Those guys have all the fun inside the world of ESPN. So it was really, it was really well done. So Miller appeared on the Press Box podcast at The Ringer this week. And the topic was ESPN's venture into sports betting, the Penn Entertainment announcing the deal to pay ESPN $1.5 billion over 10 years to rebrand the company's Barstool Sports Book app as ESPN Bet. And the deal also includes about $500 million in Penn stock options. Okay. And again, this is their ability to... Uh, get the brand ESPN connected with the word bet. All right. Like an ESPN is like we know what the the financial numbers for ESPN looked really good, but again, they're all part of the corporate structure. But they've been facing cord cutting. They've been de- okay. Yes, they are making money, but the revenues have declined. That's a problem. Um, younger fans want to get their news from social media and so they're trying to see where they are right now and they're looking for for uh, revenue well this does give them revenue so Miller talked at length about the network's future and again he's doing this from a position of he knows how it works there and his quote was and this was with Brian Curtis and David Shoemaker the big story is the big story we've been talking about for years, right? It used to be 100 million homes at $8 a month. Now they're down to 72 or 73 million. That's a lot of money. And the erosion is happening a lot quicker than people thought. So the collapse of the TV bundle, which everyone used to complain about, it turns out that that was the golden goose that was that everybody wishes never went away. So let's just, for the heck of it here, take, let's take the lower number. So we're going to take 27 million, right? All right, 27 million times $8. And that comes out to $216 million a month you're losing. Okay, that's two hundred sixteen million a month you're losing compared to your your height. Yikes! Um, he was asked on the podcast Miller was if he sees a strategic vision for ESPN, and Miller says he does not, and he thinks that Bob Iger, who's the CEO of Disney, is searching for one. He says. Well, I don't, and I think Bob is looking for one. It turns out this conundrum that ESPN is facing is actually really, really difficult to navigate. It's financial, it's cultural, 
It involves the behavior of consumers, and it involves a lot of their competitors to have recently been able to do certain things that they weren't able to do years ago. See, and again, what what has been on air the thorn in ESPN side? Fox. What has been the thorn in ESPN side? Big Ten. There have been two huge thorns in their side. And part of the problem is, is that when they were at their height, when ESPN was at their height and felt that they could do no wrong and the world needed them more than they felt they needed the entity. For example, the Big Ten, they lowballed them. Now, they are entitled as a company to lowball people. I mean, you're trying to get the best deal for you. I mean, that is part of your job, so I'm trying to be fair about this. But Jim Delaney said, look, we're worth more than this. We're going to start our own network. They laughed at him. And then a year and a half later, one year later, not only had he started BTN, then after one year of losses, Comcast and Time Warner picked up the network. And ESPN was back at the table paying $100 million a year. Then the next time through, they get they paid one ninety per year. Miller gave an example that of that difficult path, pointing out that Iger did a complete 180 turn on ESPN getting into the gambling business. I thought immediately back to 2019 when Bob Iger said they really weren't interested in gambling. That's an easy place to go because it seems so certain. It just shows how quickly this ESPN story is moving. It's moving very quickly. It's not moving toward definitive answers, mind you. But the marketplace is changing. The numbers are changing. And Disney's desire to do something with ESPN is changing fast. Said even people inside ESPN are surprised by it, Miller said. And there are a lot of people right now that have concerns. And I'm not one of them, but I'm but I'll at least relate what the concerns happen to be. That there's a thin line between ESPN reporting news and being involved in a sports betting venture or even the smallest news item moves the odds. Interesting, isn't it? Interesting fine line. When you are deeply involved now in a betting service, but you're also a news organization... Wow. How about that? You're sitting there doing a Georgia-Florida game in Jacksonville. It's the big game of the week, leading up, leading up, leading up. And you find out and report that the starting quarterback for Georgia has not practiced all week. And you report it. 
or does the company tell you not to report it? Because you have a betting service. Now, in the end, I think they'll, they would report it. But you see the see the fine line? I'm running a betting service, and I have information that Georgia's starting quarterbacks hurt or the Florida starting quarterbacks hurt, whatever. Do I report it? And I think that is one of the interesting fine lines they're going to have to negotiate it. It seemed like much simpler when we were talking about Luke attempting to mow the lawn with something that doesn't really work. (laughs) Yeah, that escalated quickly. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) but I mean I've, I've always said when it comes to the gambling part A it's your money so do what you want you know now there are certain people that can't do what they want and that comes down to the athletes for example that we're seeing in the NFL that have been suspended and we're seeing that now I'm going to be interested to see what happens with Iowa because Penn State plays Iowa there's one guy that is not being implicated uh, legally evidently at Iowa but is connected to it and this player is waiting to see what the NCAA is going to do about it, and that's Noah Shannon, who's a really good defensive tackle. He's a really good player. I mean, Shannon's really good. Well, what if he gets a four-game suspension? Guess which game Penn State-Iowa is? It's fourth game. So... And he's waiting for the NCAA to make a ruling on his case. And he says he's been forthcoming with them and so forth, but um, you know, that's (laughs) it's it's a little more complicated than people realize. And the participants can't be involved, but the fans obviously can be. They could be involved in anything from prop bets to game bets to whatever it may be. And one of the concerns I've always had about it, and I'm not I'm not breaking any new ground here, so this is something you've heard me say many times before because I've talked to my class about it. I've told them, I said, look, don't. I said, you can do whatever you want. It's your money. Don't bet on games you're covering. Because now it becomes personal and your emotions get involved in it. Okay. Um, and for fans, you know, let's take a show like this. You may win the game. The team you're rooting for may win the game, but they didn't cover. 
How angry are you on a personal level? Because they, they, even though they won, which is what you want as a fan, but they didn't cover and you bet for them to cover, how angry are you at that team? And how angry is your commentary about certain elements that happened in the game or maybe a play call or a decision, whatever it may be, that kept you from getting over the top and winning the bet? Losing money doesn't roll off the back easily. Look how angry the suit is on Monday in the staff meetings. Tough day tough day at the track. S-U-I-T, that spells suit Ah, the master of the $2 bet. But how angry do you get when, when your own money is at, at stake? I've always told that story about the 2008 game in Beaver Stadium with Penn State playing Michigan. Yeah, Penn State's at me. They're really good. They're in first place in the Big Ten, the whole deal. Right? And Penn State's winning the game by, I don't know, I think they win the game by 19 points or something like that because of a safety. They were up 19. And Penn State was a 23-point favorite. They drive downfield, drive downfields the fourth early in the fourth quarter. You know, it's just like all the other drives are doing great. And all of a sudden, for whatever reason, a sucker stalls. And so as Kevin Kelly comes out, takes that left foot, kicks a field goal, boom. All right. Everything is like, yeah. We go to a commercial break. So I looked over at Jack and I said, Jack. So that was kind of a different reaction from the crowd. They said, they said they're up 22 points now. Right? And Jack says, ah, Steve, he says, the line's 23. I said, oh, you've got to be kidding me. Really? He says, yeah. It's like, wow. Now, it turned out they then forced Michigan to punt, and then uh, they... I think, I think it was Pat Devlin did this. Dumped off a screen pass to Stephon Green, and he went 80, 81 yards for a touchdown. Of course, it's an 81-yard pass play. The place goes absolutely insane, but now, of course, they're now way beyond the number. They're beyond 23. But that was one of those uh, Captain Naive moments. <laughs> You're like... Uh, Wow, that was a little dose of reality for old Steve up in the booth. Okay. Ah. Uh, wow, who is naive today? Ah, just put your hand up. <laughs> okay, that's me. Ah. I mean, what's next? I'm going to hire Luke to cut my lawn and realize that the grass just keeps growing because his tools don't work? I mean, you know, your kid does know that the stuff he's using doesn't work, right? He actually does, yes. I mean, the grass is not getting shorter. Yeah. Yeah. You can retire all rise, by the way, because, I mean. Yeah, no, it's it's hardly been said this year. It's been kind of sad. He'll 
he'll be probably on the IL one more time than on two more times next year. And it's just like, okay. What's the difference? So. Boy, that Otani's impressive, huh? Did you see Acuna yesterday? Acuna, man, I'll tell you. I played every game this year. Terrific player. It's amazing what you can do when you show up. All right. We'll take a break. Come back more in a moment. Great to have you with us today here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Oh, my almighty! What did you make of the defense and the offense coming out of that performance in front of that crowd? Yeah, I thought we got exactly what we wanted to get out of it uh, in terms of our first scrimmage uh, of the year. We got a ton of reps, a ton of situations covered. Um, You know, today it happened again. We got wet ball work which is really valuable. Uh, we always schedule practice based on the Farmer's Almanac. I make that joke with the players. They look at me like I got five heads, but it is really good work for us. Um, and then in front of the fans, it does create a different uh, element. I want to thank you guys from everything Chris and Greg said. It seemed like everybody handled it well. It looked like the fans handled it well in terms of the rules. Uh, so we'd like to continue to build on that. So I thought it was a, it was a real positive. Yeah, I agree. I don't think it could have worked out any better. You know, that was, um, I mean, the media did a great job of covering it. The fans were great there. They had, they had inflatable set up on the, on the uh, artificial field so the kids could play before the scrimmage began. It was, it was really well done, except for the doggone rain. I told you yesterday. I think I was talking to I was talking to the lead referee because the Big Ten referees were there. Uh, so I always, as you know, it, you're always, when you're there at a practice, you're always working. You know, whether you're observing or you're talking or you have a question. You know, like I've you know I, I talked briefly with Mike Yurcich. There was a couple questions I had from Mike. Uh, well, when the referee was there and I, I want to talk to him about points of emphasis and how they're handling the clock and so forth just to make sure I had it right and when I was over there James comes over he says we got all these people here he says we have a tornado watch great <laughs> Steve can you believe this I said nah I said I said I can believe almost anything now <laughs> oh my goodness but it would, everybody was I mean I thought the fans were great Media did great write-ups on it, and uh, and it looked like Luke cut the grass for it, which is great. It's where he has a contract. Yeah, and he's in did, training already. Yeah, I mean they brought in some other people later to actually cut it because they realized that like his little plastic <laughs> mower doesn't work. Like, and not only that, no offense, he's kind of slow. It's a big field. <laughs> <laughs> We'll get there. It's like, <laughs> I think you need to get her a riding mower. I've always said, but he just prefers the push mower more than the riding mower. I don't get it, but he does. That's because you're, no, you're cheap. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing how you convince him. That's, right. And what's his new thing with Judge? All bunt. All right, so <laughs> I'm just trying to get Judge some hits. <laughs> No, he just says, no, but he's still hurt. I said, well, he was, but he's back now.
Well, Pete Alonso came back early. A court has declined a racial bias suit against umpire Angel Hernandez. He says he's losing out on prime postseason spots because of it. Um, no, I think it's just because you stink. Um, I, there is a performance issue. 